Good morning. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church. I always love when we get to begin our time of worship with baptism. Y'all are a rowdy bunch. Can you hear me? Calm down. All right, so let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer, and then uh, we'll begin with baptism. Father, we thank you for this day. God, thank you for the, the gifts that you give us. They are many. Lord, one of the, the gifts, the ordinances that you've given to the church is baptism. The picture of baptism. That we were dead in our sins and trespasses, but through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are made alive. And this morning, as we have one of our students coming, who is, Lord, has been saved for many years, but has never followed you in baptism. Today, Lord, he gets the picture for us. He gets to show us what obedience looks like. Being obedient to the great commission of Jesus Christ, but also, Lord, as he's picturing that, that he is dead to self and alive to Christ, and God, you're doing a work in this young man's life, and we know you're going to continue to do that, and we thank you for that, and just thank you that we as a church get to be part of this, and we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, man, come on down. So most of you here know who this is. This is, this is Tim Roth, and so Tim last week reached out to me, texted me, and said, hey, can we, can we have lunch? So on Wednesday, he and I went to Moe's, had a great burrito steak burrito and um i said man what did you uh what did you want to talk to me about he said well i've been saved since you were what five years old yep. been a believer in christ since he was five years old knows that he belongs to jesus no question about that he said but i've never followed him in believers baptism and it's time i do that and so he wanted he wants to be obedient to what jesus says to us in in the great commission and so uh, super excited about that. But before we do that, you got some family here. I said, what do you want to get baptized? He said, can we do it this Sunday? I've got some family in town. I was like, sure, why not? So uh, he has some family who's local, but also family visiting from in town. So will you all stand if you're family of Mr. Tim's? Go ahead, don't be shy. There they are right there. Thank you, y'all can be seated. So, uh, in, so an exciting day. All right, man, so I have a question for you. And I know this is something you declared several years ago, but do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and Lord and Savior of your life? Yes. Amen. Amen. All right, brother. Then based upon that profession of faith, bring your other hand up here for me. There we go. I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in Christ, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen, man. Amen, brother. Amen. One thing Tim and I talked about is the example that he could be for others. So maybe there's some of you who you can say, hey, I know I've given my life to Jesus. I did it on this date this many years ago, but I too have not been faithful to follow him in baptism. And so maybe through this, that's an, an example to you that you too can follow. And so we want to encourage you, if you have never been baptized, but you've trusted in Jesus, if you would just see me after the service or reach out to me, maybe we can go grab a burrito. I do like Moe's. Um, and so uh, we, can, we can talk about that as well. Well, it's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Would you please stand and welcome those around you?
with baptism and just being reminded of our living hope that is Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. Welcome to Northside. If this is your first time with us or maybe your first time in a while, we're thrilled that you are here uh, today. If this is your first time, you've never been to Northside or you've been here but you've never filled out some information about yourself, there's a couple ways you can do that. One, um, inside the bulletin is a QR code. If you would take a moment and, and just, you can scan that with your phone, fill out some information online, or there's a connection card out there um, in the foyer, we would greatly appreciate if you would just fill out a little bit of information about yourself, that would really help us. Well, just a couple things before we continue in our time of worship. Uh, last Sunday was an incredible time of worship, exciting, great news in the life of Northside. So if you haven't, if you haven't heard, last week the church called unanimously Gary Isaacs to be our next associate pastor, and so um, that was an exciting time for us. He's actually going to start in three weeks. March 27th will be his first Sunday um, here. Uh, there'll be probably, well, could be a month, a month and a half, um, at least probably a month and a half, where he's just going to be coming down by himself uh, as the girls finish out school up there, uh, so he'll be traveling back and forth. Uh, we may see his family uh, a little bit in the next couple, month, month and a half or two. But So he will be starting March 27th, so that is really, really exciting. One other thing I want to do is I saw two ladies come in uh, this morning that we have not seen uh, in a while here at Northside, and, and I don't ever want to exclude anybody, and if I have forgotten at some point, you please forgive me for that. But uh, Miss Joyce Coggin is sitting back there in, in the back row, and I saw her come in. Miss Joyce has just been dealing with a variety of health issues and trying to recover and get stronger, and so he, uh, she is here. And then 
just a few minutes after I saw her, I saw Miss Diane Tolliver. She's here for the first time in, in quite a while. Yes, Miss Diane, you can stand up. So as you all know, Miss Diane has been dealing with cancer and, and fighting that battle and so had to be away just for health reasons and to protect her immune system. And so it's so good to see her. John, it's good to see you as well, brother. Don't want to leave you out. But uh, we've been praying for you all, lifting you all up. And so it's so good uh, to see John and Diane and Miss Joyce here uh, as well. But we miss the body of Christ when they're not able to be here. Amen. And, uh, and, and we have others that are still going through some things. And maybe you're watching online and we miss you and we're praying for you as well. All right, our praying to Scripture this morning comes out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. I'll reference this verse towards the end of my sermon, but I want us to think about this for a moment. It says that we are to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Uh, are you ready for Jesus to come back? I'm ready for Jesus to come back. Our world is... It's been messed up since the fall, broken, the curse, but it just seems to be getting worse and worse. And uh, ready for Jesus to come back. We're waiting for Jesus to come back. But there's something at the end of that verse that I really want us to think about. Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So if you have been delivered from God's wrath because of Jesus Christ, you have taken hold of him as your Lord and Savior, I just want you to take a moment in just a minute when we pray to be thankful for that, to praise God and for Jesus, who rescues you from his wrath. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I'm going to hammer this at the end of the sermon. You are under God's wrath. And it's just a matter of time before God's wrath is poured out upon you for your sin if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So while we pray through this verse, maybe the Spirit of God is going to convict you that you need to turn to Jesus and be saved. So take a moment, pray through this verse as the Lord leads, then I will pray for us, and then we'll continue to worship together. Father, we just declared through song from our mouth and I pray from our heart that Jesus, you and you alone are our living hope. But the reality this morning is that apart from Jesus, we have no hope. We are already condemned. We are under the wrath of God. And it is justly and rightly so because every single one of us, God, have transgressed against your law. We have sinned against you. And your word says you love righteousness and you hate wickedness. Sin cannot enter into your presence. And so we were hopeless and we were helpless until our living hope, Jesus Christ, left all heaven's glory and took on flesh and came and lived a sinless, perfect life, the life we could not live. And he was killed, crucified, nailed to a cross, placed in a tomb, dead, dead, dead. And on the third day rose from the dead, conquering the grave. And now we have a hope in Jesus that is living 
and alive. So this morning, Father, once again, even as Christians, we come, we plead the blood of Jesus, we plead your grace, we ask for your forgiveness, we confess our sins to you, and if there is anyone here today that does not know you, oh God, Spirit of the living God, move powerfully in this place so that every tongue would confess this morning that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And for us as believers, remind us this morning that we stand upon the solid rock that is Jesus Christ. That our only hope is not our righteousness or our goodness or our good works, but we plead the righteousness of Jesus Christ this morning. As we will sing the solid rock, we stand upon that rock today. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, let's worship together. Will you stand?
blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. But holy lean on Jesus' name. On Christ's solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand.
Thank you, choir. What a beautiful reminder of God's awesome love. All right, at this time, our children, pre-K, kindergarten, first, second grade, are going to make their way uh, out to Children's Church. If you will take your Bibles and please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. As we slowly but surely make our way through Ephesians. My plan as we got to these verses, and I told you a couple weeks ago, there's five exhortations. My plan was to combine some of them, and then the more I study, I'm like, man, this is just a word we need to hear, and so let's not rush through it, but, but let's take our time. So Ephesians chapter 4. I want to begin uh, with some audience participation. All right, I, I came across something about a week and a half ago that I found profound yet simple, and so uh, we'll start with a little audience participation. So here's what I want you to do. Whether you're watching online or you're here, I want everybody to do this. I want you to take about five to ten seconds, and I want you to think about nothing else than a large pink elephant. Right now. Just take ten seconds. Don't be a contrarian like Malachi when I told him this. He's like, why can't I think about a small blue elephant? Because you can't. A large pink elephant. You got it? Go ahead and picture it. Imagine it. How big and cute and pink it is. All right, now, stop thinking about that pink elephant. Just right now, stop. Nobody else thinking about that pink elephant. Just get that image out of your mind. Stop thinking about the pink elephant. If you were successfully able to stop thinking about the pink elephant, it was not because you suppress the thought. Sitting there thinking, okay, I gotta stop. Pastor said I gotta stop thinking about this pink elephant. All right, so on the count of three, I'm gonna stop thinking about a pink elephant. I'm gonna stop. Right, you just keep trying to suppress the thought, you just keep coming back. The more you try to suppress it, the more you're gonna think about that thing. The only way to stop thinking about a large pink elephant is to replace the thought. Start thinking about a small blue elephant. Or about that Moe's steak burrito. Or why in the world is our pastor talking about pink elephants? It's to replace the thought. Now, when I read that, that, that example, that illustration was in reference to our thought process. As we think about doubts or anxiety, right? These, these, these fears that overwhelm us. The only way to overcome them is not just to try to press them but to replace the thoughts in the illustration, the purpose is you replace those thoughts with thoughts from God's word. Promises from God's word. Who is God? Who does God say that I am? And you replace them and then you begin to overcome those things. Now for our sake this morning, I want to apply that exercise and think about how it relates to the five exhortations that the Apostle Paul gives beginning in verse 25. Because a couple weeks ago, remember, we talked about how Paul is saying, right, the old man is to die. We're to replace that old man. Our minds have been renewed. We are now new in Christ. Everything has drastically changed. And so out with the old, in with the new. So two weeks ago, we looked at falsehood. As, as believers in Christ, we are to replace falsehood how we once lived. We replace it with telling the truth. We don't just try to suppress the falsehood. We replace it. We become men and women who speak the truth rather than being men and women who live out a false life. Why do we do it? For the glory of God and the unity of his people. And so now we come to the second exhortation. 
The second exhortation. So if you have a copy of God's Word, would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. And I want you to notice in verses 26 and 27, I want you to notice Paul gives a positive followed by three negative statements. Verse 26. Again, writing to Christians, we are new, we are changed, therefore be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. You may be seated. Paul, talking about this new life we have in Christ, and I want you to think, as we work through these five exhortations, I want you to think, if you and I would begin to live this out, how different we will look from the world. If we don't live a false life, if we don't get angry about unrighteous things, we're going to talk in a couple weeks, because uh, I won't be here next Sunday. Mark Runyon's is going to be preaching for me. Uh, Landon and I are going to have some boys' time. We're going down to Tampa to watch the SEC tournament. Uh, first time Landon and I have been able to get away, so we're going to have a lot of fun doing that, um, just the two of us. And so Mark's going to be preaching. But when I come back, we're going to talk about working hard and not stealing. Imagine how different you'll look from the world if you actually have a work ethic. Because the, the world doesn't know how to have a work ethic. The world doesn't know how to tell the truth. The world doesn't know how not to be outraged about everything. And so we're to live differently. So one positive, three negative statements. Here we go. Positive. Be angry. I think the KJV says, be ye angry. Be ye angry. Be angry. We've got to stop for a moment and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is Paul really saying that we can be angry? So we immediately have to recognize and acknowledge that Paul is saying there is the possibility for us to be angry and not sin. It's possible. It is true that anger is not necessarily sinful. Not all anger is sin. Maybe you realize that. Maybe you're hearing that for the first time. You're like, wow, so I can get angry sometimes. Be angry and not sin. Scripture teaches this. So consider for a moment the nature of God. Exodus 4.14 Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Psalm 76.7 But you, you are to be feared. Who can stand before you when once your anger is roused? So if all anger is sin, well the Scripture teaches us that God is a God of anger. He gets angry. He's a God of wrath. So is God sinning? No, because we know God is perfectly holy and there is no sin within God. But we see his anger. The choir just reminded us so beautifully of God's love. But God's love goes right alongside God's wrath. And it's not a contradiction. Listen to Exodus 34, 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious. It goes on to say, abounding in steadfast love. But in between the mercy and the love, it says this, slow to anger. Anybody thankful for the word slow? The God is slow to anger, but God still gets angry. God's wrath is going to be poured out upon sin. Consider Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark chapter 3, verse 5, right? Jesus takes on flesh, God takes on flesh, comes, lives among men. It says, Mark chapter 3, verse 5, and he looked around at them with anger. Just picture Jesus looking around at the crowd with anger, but then it goes on to say he's grieved in his heart. And he's grieved about their hardness of heart. Anger because he's grieved at their hardness of heart. Or consider Jesus. 
walking into the temple and overturning the tables, driving out these men who were right, trying to make money and a profit there in the temple. When Jesus is flipping over the tables, you think Jesus walks in and just says, excuse me just a moment, I'm going to take this table and just nicely toss it to the side. Pardon me, just watch out a moment. I'm just going to gently turn. No, Jesus goes in. And I don't know what the scene would have been like, but it would have been clear to all of them, Jesus is angry. Something is bothering him. Now, when Jesus does this, does he sin? Because some people will say he's sinning. But if he sins, then he no longer is the perfect Lamb of God who can take away the sins of the world. So Jesus, when he goes in and he's angry, he's not sinning. He's not sinning. And so this will be on the screen. It is very important and helpful when we think about anger to distinguish between righteous anger and unrighteous anger. Or, another way to word it, justifiable anger and sinful anger. And, and, I'll, and I'll try to explain that the best I can this morning. Consider Jesus again. John MacArthur writes this about Jesus. Jesus was always angered. So you think about when did Jesus get angry? Jesus was always angered when the Father was maligned or when others were mistreated. But he was never selfishly angry at what was done against him. You don't see Jesus getting angry when he's being beaten and he's being mocked and they're lying about him, blaspheming, spreading false rumors. He's not getting angry. When, when, the, when God is maligned or when others are mistreated, we see Jesus and his anger. So it is possible to be angry and yet not sin. It is possible to feel righteous anger or justifiable anger and not sin. Hear me. It is right to have a holy anger against sin in your own life. It is right to be justifiably angry about sin in your heart. To want that sin to be removed, not to be enslaved to that sin anymore. And I would say it is a sign of spiritual immaturity if you don't get angry about your sin. If you are indifferent to your sin, oh, it's not that big of a deal. right? That's spiritual immaturity. It is also right to be justifiably angry with sin and injustice in the world. When other people are mistreated, when other people are hurt, it is right to be angry about those things. It's right, it's okay, it's right to hate sin. Now, we don't hate the people, but we hate sin and what it does to the people. So let me just give you several examples. Let's take, let's take the issue of pornography. It is right to be angry about pornography. It is right to hate pornography that you don't want it in your life or in your home. It is right to be angry when you see that women and even men are being abused and exploited through pornography, and it's a billion-dollar industry. It is right to be angry about that. It is right to be angry about racism. When you see someone mistreated because of the color of their skin, I hope you don't stand by and say, oh, man, that's too bad. No, it's, it's right to be angry about those things. It is right to be angry about abuse. Child abuse, spousal abuse. You don't stand by and go, man, that's just too bad. No, it's, it's, it's all right to be angry about that. It's all right to be angry about abortion when, when millions and millions of, of these babies in the womb have been murdered and killed. It's okay to be angry about those things. But hear me, that anger, this is key, so follow me, must be rightly expressed. 
So there's, there's a lot of examples that we could look at in Scripture of this, but let's go to one back in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. Listen to what it says. One day, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people, he looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. So Moses walks out. Right, this is before the burning bush, before he runs to the wilderness. He walks out, and his people are enslaved, and he sees a fellow Hebrew, an Israelite, being abused by an Egyptian. I would say it's justifiable to be angry. Like if you walk out this afternoon and you see your neighbor being beaten or a family member of yours being beaten, I don't know how many of us are going to stand there and go, man, I wish that wasn't happening right now. That is just a tragedy. No, you're, gonna, you're justifiably going to be angry if someone you know is being mistreated. So was his anger justifiable? I believe so. But here's the problem. His justifiable anger got out of control. And it led to what? Murder. Sinful anger, rage, and murder. And what was justifiable became unjustifiable when he took justice into his own hands and murdered an Egyptian. And then he has to run. Now God forgives, God uses him, but Moses messes up. So this leads us to the first negative. Paul says, be angry. There is a righteous type of anger. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not sin. This is a quote from Psalm chapter 4, verse 4. Let me read the verses that precede this. This is David. He says, O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Right? His, his, his name, his honor is being brought to shame. They're spreading lies. How long will you love vain words, seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Verse 4, be angry and do not sin. David recognizes right, people are attacking him and maligning his name, but he recognizes he can get angry, but he cannot sin. And so Paul Quotes from Psalm chapter 4, verse 4. Moses was justifiably angry, but his anger got out of control and it led to sin and murder. So just a couple quotes that really impacted me this week. John Trapp writes this. It is not a sin to be angry, but it is hard not to sin when you get angry. It's not necessarily a sin to be angry, but the moment you get angry, you better watch out because it's really easy then to sin. Matthew Henry says, if we would be angry and not sin, we must be angry at nothing but sin. If we are going to have a righteous anger, the reality is the only thing we better get angry about is sin. We must not get angry about anything else. And we should be more jealous for the glory of God than for any interest or reputation of our own. All right. Y'all ready for your toes to be stepped on a little bit? If we are honest... If we are honest, most of the anger that we feel is unrighteous, sinful anger. Most of the time when we get angry, it's self-defensive and it's self-serving. We get angry because of our pride, because we're attacked, because somebody says something about us. We get angry because we're being self-centered. We get angry because our little kingdom, our little world has been affected and threatened. We get angry because someone has hurt us. So what do we do? We throw a fit, we lose our temper, we call names, we plot revenge, we honk the horn when they cut us off. Maybe you drop a curse word, right? You get frustrated and angry when the line's not moving fast enough. Most of the time, 
Our anger, if we're honest, is not righteous anger. We get angry about things that are affecting us. And, and when that happens, one of two things can happen. Either it's outward rage, like we just lose it, or it's inward resentment. We keep it in, and we begin to resent that person, and we begin to hate that person. Y'all, our world is messed up. It's messed up. Our world, and let's be honest, even us as Christians, we don't get angry about the right things. So we talked about pornography. We have a world that does not get angry about pornography. They welcome it into their home. They do not care who it hurts, the lives that it destroys. They don't care. They're not angry about pornography. We, have, we live in a world that is not angry about abortion. All they care about is the right of the mother to choose. They don't care. They don't recognize that it's a life in the womb. But, oh, my goodness, get their order wrong at McDonald's, and they will lose their ever-loving mind. If their football team loses in the championship game, they will lose their ever-loving mind. If their son strikes out or their daughter plays the wrong note, they will lose their ever-loving mind. But when it comes to the things that God hates, they're indifferent. And even us as Christians, when it comes to the things God hates, oftentimes we are indifferent. Oh God, break our heart. For what breaks yours. Every week when I'm preparing for a sermon, I have in the front of my Bible eight prayers that I pray. Here's number six. Lord, help me to be obedient to the demands of this passage. Help me to enter the pulpit having already submitted my life to this truth before I preach it. So God, before I ever get up here to preach it, if there's a command, if there's a way that I am to live, I first need to be living that out. So I'm going to be honest. I came into this week. I knew I was going to be preaching on anger. I came in feeling pretty good. Anger to me is not something I really struggle with. It's not something I wrestle with. So Wednesday morning, I was just walking the sanctuary as I often do, just praying, and the Spirit of God convicted me. I cannot tell you the last time I yelled at somebody outside of my family. I'm a patient person. I don't yell. I don't scream at you. I won't lose my cool. Number one, I'm not confident enough. Number two, I'm not strong enough. I'm not going to risk ticking somebody off and getting beat up. Right? I'm just, I'm not. You come yelling at me, you'll be able to tell in my voice like I'm shook, but I'm not going to yell at you. I'm going to go home and I'm going to cry. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go curl up in a fetal position because that's just how I am. That's how I'm wired. So I'm, I'm like, okay, I don't, even at home, I'm not a, I have a loud voice, but I just don't walk around like incredible Hulk screaming and tearing things apart. But man, the Spirit of God convicted me. Because when we think about our speech, you have the words that you say, the words that come out of our mouth, and that's probably, I think I read this week, like 10% of what people really focus on. Then you have the tone in which you speak, and you have your nonverbals. I don't have the best of tone sometimes when I talk to my wife and my kids. Look, I'm just sharing with you because this is a heavy message and I'm stepping on your toes and I just want you to know God, the Spirit has first convicted me. It's, again, it's not trying to yell. It's just, it, it's just kind of the way I've always been. It's just my tone with them and, and my nonverbals. And so though I'm not frustrated, they don't know that because of my tone and my nonverbals. And so right, the Spirit of God has just convicted me. Look, Aaron, anger isn't just how you maybe lash out and lose control, but it's, it's the tone 
It's the nonverbals. When your kingdom is threatened, when your boys don't do what you think they should, or when Ryan doesn't live up to your expectations, right, how do you respond? And the reality is, every single one of us, we're guilty. We're guilty of not living up to and living out this exhortation. The good news is there's power to change, and we'll get there at the end of the message. But we live, hear me, we live in a world of outrage. How many of you drove by coming up to church and you got off here at the exit, Charlotte McCullough, and you saw gas was $3.99. Anybody kind of lose it a little bit when you, I just had to take a deep breath when I saw that this morning. $3.99, right? We live in a world of outrage. And yet, hear me, and then we're going to move on. God has saved you, set you apart, sanctified you, left you here, so that in the midst of a world that gets outraged about everything, you can stay calm. And you can live differently because of the Spirit of God in you and have righteous anger towards the thing that God hates. So that's the first negative. Be angry, do not sin. But he continues, he's not done. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Here's the big idea. Not all anger is sin, but believers should not remain angry. In other words, don't let your anger carry over. There's a time limit to your anger. We see this in Deuteronomy 24. It talks about um, if you hire somebody to work and, and you're going to pay them wages, it talks about pay them before the sun goes down. Right? They've worked for it. They're owed that. Don't wait till the next day or two days. They need that money. Pay them before the sun goes down. So when we read, don't let the sun go down on your anger, don't take that literally. That doesn't mean you can be angry all day long and when the sun sets, you've got to let your anger go. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is there must be a time limit to your anger. Now, is Paul referring to unrighteous anger or righteous anger? I think the answer is yes. I think it's both. Obviously, if your anger is unrighteous, like you and your wife had an argument or, or you just lost your cool, right, don't go to bed angry. You've heard that? Try to reconcile, seek forgiveness, ask forgiveness, grant forgiveness. Like, don't go to bed angry. But I think here it's also referring to righteous anger. Even when you have the right to be angry because, because of sin in your own life or in the life of somebody else, and you see this injustice, right? Don't keep holding on to that. You need to give it to the Lord and pray for your own heart. I saw a great quote this week that I thought was really helpful. Remember that anger is only one letter short of danger. Never heard that before. Anger is only one letter short of danger. If your anger is out of control, it will destroy you and other people. How many, how many times have you turned on the news, opened up the newspaper, saw on Facebook a story of a spouse cheating on another spouse? I would say that's justifiable anger. A covenant has been broken. God has been sinned against, right? You've been sinned against. The family is going to be impacted, right? So, so to, it's, it's not to say, oh, well, that's a shame. Again, too bad that happened. But like to feel justifiable anger. And you're like, well, man, I'd probably be angry too. But then how many times has that justifiable anger led to the spouse who has been cheated on knocking out headlights or slashing tires or even leading to murder, right, out of anger and rage, they lose it. So when you are angry, even if it is righteous, there must be a time limit on it. You must give it to the Lord, and you must let it go. Otherwise, you're going to hurt yourself or somebody else. And then there's the last negative, and that is this, and give no opportunity to the devil. 
The Greek word for opportunity is tapas. It means the inhabitants of a place. Some use the word, your translation may use the word foothold. Don't give Satan a foothold. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give the devil a place. Don't give the devil a spot in your life where he can do damage. John Calvin. Incredible quote. Verse 27 ought to make the hair on your heads stand up. Satan is a hideous enemy who seeks to destroy and devour you like a roaring lion. And he says you are to give him no opportunity. If we begin to leave today and our guy out there doing security says, oh, hey, there's a lion out there, shut the doors and lock them right now. Nobody's leaving until that lion is gone because that lion is not coming in here. You got me? Right, we, we would, none of us would be like, hey, let the lion in. Let him roam around. He may devour us. It's okay. And he's saying, listen, Satan is a roaring lion. Give him no opportunity to destroy your life. Now, some Christians, this is interesting because as we were praying this morning with some of the guys, this was mentioned um, in the prayer. Some Christians are quick to blame the devil. The devil made me do it. It's all the devil's fault. The devil, the devil, the devil. We blame the devil for everything. But what does Paul say? Paul says, give no opportunity to the devil. See, here's the deal. If you're angry, you can't blame Satan. You can't blame him. You can't blame other people. You have to own it. You have to take responsibility for it. That's on you. Now, here's what Satan does like to do. He's got no problem fanning the flames. Like, you get angry, that's on you, but Satan sees an opportunity. Oh, Pastor Aaron, he's angry. Let me get in there and see what destruction, what, what havoc I can't cause because he's angry. We need to understand, we're going to get there eventually, I promise. Ephesians 6, this is spiritual warfare. This is spiritual warfare. And Paul, there's a reason why he's dealing with these five exhortations. Why? Because he's talking about unity. And he understands what can destroy unity. Falsehood and a bunch of people getting angry about silly, foolish things. Right? We get angry. Satan, hear me. Fathers, Satan would love to use your anger to destroy your family. Right now, he's looking for that opportunity. Ladies, wives, Satan would love to use your anger to destroy your family, to divide a relationship with your child. Church, hear me. Satan would love to use your anger to destroy this church, to break apart the disunity because somebody hurt you, something happened, and rather than dealing with it calmly, trusting in Christ, you got angry, and you let everybody know that you're angry. And Satan would love to take our anger problems and destroy a country. Every sermon I preach, I'm just going to remind you that how you talk on social media matters. We live in a day and age where everybody's outraged on social media. They don't need your outrage. They don't. It, it helps nothing. No problem, hear me, no problem has been solved because of Facebook. Not one. Everybody's outraged. Not one. Look, I'm not, I'm not anti-social media. I'm not anti-Facebook, anti-Instagram, but I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. Because it's not, it, we just, everybody's so outraged all the time. Don't be that way. Be calm. Be loving. Hate sin. But don't hate people. They're people. They're sinners. Right? They're going to do stupid things. And it's frustrating. But we, we got to 
be patient and pray for them. And so just, again, all of this impacts your how you're driving down the road when you go home. Somebody cuts you off. Yeah, that matters then too. Or when you cut somebody off, right? All of that matters. So we want to honor Jesus. So application. I've already preached longer than I planned, but we've got to get to some application. Because this is really important. So please, don't check out yet. Because what I'm about to say is the most important thing you're going to hear the entire sermon. And that is this. Jesus is your only hope of rescue from God's wrath. You say, well, that was just a random weird turn you just took there. Follow me, though. Psalm 45, 7, speaking of God, says, You have loved righteousness, and you have hated wickedness. Romans 1, 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. That God's wrath is revealed. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, it says, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Have you ever been angry in a way that was unrighteous and sinful? You don't have to raise your hand. The answer is yes, every single one of us. You know what that makes you? A sinner who has transgressed against a holy, righteous God, who, yes, he's a loving God, but he is also an angry God and a God of wrath who will not stand by and let sin go unpunished. So you have two options. Either one day you'll stand before God, having never given your life to Jesus, and you will experience his wrath for all eternity in hell. Or you will stand before God knowing you deserve his wrath, but you will plead the blood of Jesus because he bore the wrath of God. It's your only option. It's one of those two. And so if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never confessed your sin, whether it was at the age of 5 or 55, if you've never done it, today's the day of salvation. You need to be delivered from your sin. You need to confess your sin, confess your anger, repent of it, turn from it, and you need to say, God, save me from my sin. Save me from myself. Save me from hell. Only Jesus, I plead the righteousness of Christ and nothing else right now. Jesus can save you if you've never given your life to Jesus. Here's a second point of application. Anger can be controlled through the work of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're an angry person. You say, Pastor, I can't control my anger. I mean, it's just out of control. I would argue, to a certain extent, you can control your anger. For example, let's say tomorrow night. I call your house about 6.30. And at 6.25, you just went ballistic on your wife and kids. Like you are screaming, you are yelling, you are saying words that you would never say in front of me. You've just, you've lost your ever-loving mind. And then you see I'm calling, here's what you'll do. What's wrong with you? Why do you keep, oh, hey, pastor, how are you? <laughs> You're not going to answer screaming and yelling. Maybe you will, and you got a big problem. You won't pick up your phone and say, Pastor, I'll call you back later, and hang up on me. You're going to stop in that moment and completely, hey, everything's great here. We're just doing wonderful. Hang up, you go right back to it. So you can, to some extent, control your anger. Now hear me. You really can't control it apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, though. You need the Spirit of God who indwells you as a believer to help you, to say, hey, look, this is an issue this is a concern. You need to address it. You need to confess it and, and let me work in your life. So since Wednesday, I've been very mindful of my tone and my nonverbals. And it's amazing how the Spirit of God has 
done his work as I was submissive because I don't think my tone or my nonverbals were rude once since Wednesday. That is not me. Trust me. It's the Spirit of God, right? Um, and if you thought I was perfect, sorry to burst your bubble. I'm not. Um, right? But we, we all sin. We all struggle. But it's the Spirit of God who, who works in our hearts and who brings about the change. So two weeks ago, falsehood, maybe you've been like, yeah, that's not my struggle. I'm an honest person. But this morning when you leave here, you'll be like, man, got me right between the eyes. I'm guilty of anger. There's hope. There's forgiveness the Spirit of God to transform you. But then here's the third thing, and lastly, and then I will pray, and that is this, the glory of God and the unity of His people are at stake, and that's why this matters. Are you more concerned, be honest with yourself, about the glory of God, or are you more concerned about being right? Are you more concerned about the glory of God, or are you more concerned about your kingdom of one? And how dare you affect and impact my kingdom? Are you more concerned about the people of God or are you more concerned about being right? Are you more concerned about the unity of the people of God or are you more concerned with making sure people understand what you think about this issue and how you feel about this and this person hurt me, this person wronged me and I just want everybody to know. Listen, God is doing incredible things right now at Northside. Amen? Somebody say amen. I was a little weak, but I know it's late in the sermon. God's doing incredible things in Northside. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Much better. But hear me. Falsehood and uncontrolled sinful, sinful anger can change that real fast. As we allow Satan an opportunity to come in and tear apart the relationships that God is building up. Because we have sinful, uncontrolled, unchecked anger in our hearts. So will you confess that this morning? Will you say, God, forgive me. Thank you for the forgiveness. And Spirit of God, just do a work in me. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, will you just give your life to Jesus this morning? Will you close your eyes and bow your head? Father God, I hope, Lord, the message this morning was engaging. Lord, I hope, hope people were able to, to pay attention. Lord, it's a heavy, heavy topic, but God, it's also a, the seriousness of it. As we live in a world of outrage, God, may we be a people who are constantly examining our own hearts. Lord, this morning, there are things right now that it is right and justifiable to be angry about. There is sin in our own heart. There is sin right in our, in our, in our family. There is sin in the world. People are being impacted every day. And our heart breaks and it grieves for those things. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you would come. We pray that you would put an end to this injustice in the evil that is in the world. God, the reality is most of us if we're angry this morning is probably not because of those things. It's probably because of something that we read or something somebody said this morning that just didn't sit well with us. And we came in with a bad attitude and we came in angry. Maybe we even yelled on the way to church. That happens a lot, so I hear. So God, we come to you needing your forgiveness, needing your grace. So thankful for that forgiveness. So thankful for that grace. Lord, I, I belittle this point because the glory of God and the unity of his people is at stake. And we want to be a people where God, you receive the glory at Northside and where we are united with brothers and sisters in Christ. So God, we pray that Satan would not have a foothold here. And we would give him no opportunity to tear this fellowship apart.
because of these things that Paul exhorts to us are gone. It's not a part of who we are. We have changed. We are different. Lord, just be with people today. Strengthen them, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to worship together. The altar is always open. If you want to come and pray, I'm here at the front. You respond as the Spirit speaks to your heart. to sing in light of what we've been talking about in Ephesians, right? That faithfulness, holiness, righteousness, we want to just please the Lord. All right, if you have your bulletins, I'm going to make several announcements because we've got a lot of stuff going on. When you leave to your left, you're going to notice we've got a new sign-up board out there, NBC Connect board, right? 
You see the balloons? This is the place you're going to go from now on to sign up rather than having to open the book and flip through and find the pages. So we need you to sign up. We have a, a senior friends event. You can sign up there. Church directory, March 13th, March 27th. You can sign up for pictures. There's a few names on there, but our directory is going to be really small if those are the only people that get pictures. So make sure you sign up today for a time slot. Um, we have our Bible studies that we're doing on Wednesday nights for the month of March. Uh, we have a Spanish for missions class. Read about that if you're interested um, in learning Spanish, especially the work that we're going to be doing in Ecuador. See Mark Runyon's. He has information on that. Um, ladies, when you walk out to your right, you will notice a box and some pink forms that look just like this. This is something new that uh, Northside is, is starting. Um, it's a sisterhood group, and all the information is there. I want to encourage you ladies, sign up, get involved. If you've been struggling with not plugging in or kind of feeling on the outside, this is a way for you to begin to build some relationships with a small group of women who will be there to encourage you. So please, please sign up. One last thing I want to mention. Um, and so in just a couple weeks, on March 19th, our youth are doing a dinner theater. So Ms. Cynthia Carter came to me several months ago um, and said, hey, I know we always do the cake auction. We're going to do that again Sunday night, May 1st. Um, but, you know, youth, youth camp is expensive. We charge $400 uh, for a student. And we have several of our families that have multiple students. It gets expensive. And so she's like, can we do another fundraiser? So they had done this at a previous church. It's kind of a, a country western, who got the sheriff? So if you know country westerns, right, there'll, there'll be some pretend play guns and who got the sheriff. And so our students have, have been working on this. So it's a dinner theater. So you can come and we're going to serve you food and we're going to have tables in here and you're going to get to watch and support our youth. But we need you to sign up. We need you to let us know, hey, we're going to come. A couple ways you can do that. You can scan the QR code or there's the sign-up sheet out there. You can sign your name. Just make sure you select two sides. You get to choose two sides that you want to go with your barbecue. It's going to be a lot of fun. We just encourage you to come and just support our students. We don't have a certain amount. We're just asking you to give generously, graciously to, to support our students, to help offset student camp and uh, just to be a night of, of entertainment. Our students are going to serve you. They're going to take care of all of that. We do, however, need two more pairs of men's boots. So if you have some boots, I do not. But if you have some boots, country western boots, you know, cowboy boots, uh, please see Miss Cynthia. Uh, let her know what sizes you got um, because we, we definitely need that. All right, what a great day to be uh, in the house of the Lord. We got our normal activity schedule tonight. So come back, Mr. Kerry Beard. Where are you, Mr. Kerry? He's coming. He's our deacon of the week, so he's going to dismiss us with a word of prayer. So if you will stand while Kerry comes, he will close us out in prayer. Please pray with me. Our gracious Lord and Savior, our world is in turmoil. We know it's because of the sin that's in our world. I just pray, Lord, that you would give us the wisdom, the strength, and the courage to stand firm and be obedient to you in everything that we do and say, that we would encourage others to look to you for salvation. Lord, just help us to do what is right and what is good. Be with us as we go. Keep us safe. 
and help us, Lord, to be a witness in everything that we do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.